This episode of Couch Communion is dedicated to Jeremy, my childhood church camp counselor, and at 13, my biggest crush to date. Just thank you. My name is Sarah. And I'm Jordan. And this is Couch Communion. Oh, that was nice. Thank you. <laughs> I hope it's okay. I just sang that. I have no problem with it. Okay, good. Today, we are going to be talking about the uh, church youth group experience, including camp, lock-ins, weird things that we did at youth group, which we both have many stories and many uh, regrets <laughs> regrets <laughs> listen it was a different time we were different people back then it was also the early ago. 2000s it was so mm, yeah that's it, that's a whole package of it was the height stuff. of chris tomlin and <sighs> david crowder <sighs> which honestly good times you know musically i think i think i'm cool with it i'm cool with it mm-hmm um, so yeah, Jordan's going to kind of take the lead on this one and I'm just going to sit back and drink my chai latte that I made myself and enjoy. Um, but also like how's life? You know, uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, you know, I have a lot of plates spinning at the moment, mm -hmm. um, as it were, you know, just trying to, to work it through. I'm actually applying for a new job. So yes, uh, yes, you are. That's I've got a second interview coming up, coming up, so I'm real excited about that. That's super exciting. Yeah, it'll be my first uh, big girl job. <laughs> You've had big girl jobs. Uh, I'm 30 and never had a full time job. Yeah, but you like teach people. You yeah, mold I mean, like the minds of the youths. That's true. I have adjuncted and stuff. Yeah, so. I don't think being a uh, having a big kid job has to be full time. I think doesn't it's have just... to be benefits in a 401k. I think it's just how much responsibility you're given. Because, like, I have a full-time well, job. I've never but... had a big kid job. <laughs> responsibility you've been given versus responsibility you actually take and use and do. I mean, yeah. 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 How are you? How are things going with you? Oh, I'm lovely. I painted my spare bedroom wall. Ugh, it looks amazing. Thank too. you. I did, like, a geometric, one of those you, like, tape it. And then paint around the tape, and then you peel the tape off. And I was so scared that it wasn't going to work, and it did. And I cannot tell you how psyched I was just, like, pulling that paint off the wall. I, I'm... I really... thought... Oh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about making, like, a... um. I thought about making a... One of those TikTok accounts that's just satisfying things and just videos of me peeling this tape I off the wall. I would have immediately followed it. <sighs> I missed my opportunity. Immediately. I could have gone viral. You could have been... You could have been a contender. I could have been a contender. <laughs> um, you could be president. Um, 
Yeah, I am a sucker for those TikTok accounts. Me too. An absolute sucker. The the best one, the mm-hmm. absolute best one, is the British candy company that pours. They make like different mixes of candies, oh, and they oh, pour oh, a bunch yeah. of gummy candy and hard candies into a bucket and mix them together. The I fruit salad one. For my that... phone in the background. I did not put my phone. Did your phone, phone just ring? Yeah. It did. What kind of professional podcaster? I'm not. <laughs> Also, just so everyone knows, we just uploaded our first three episodes Woo-hoo. right before two and a half, two and a half, yeah. right before we're recording this. So we are riding the high of actually being on Spotify. We looked it up. We're it's there. It's a very weird experience for me. They just let anybody do this. I know. It's way too easy. For free. So um, we are extremely excited. So if you have not listened to those and you're listening to this one, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. <laughs> Back right up. Whoa. Where are you going? Just kidding. Back You're up. totally welcome here. Yeah, actually, this would probably be a fun one to start on. Yeah. I never, I'm such a hypocrite. When I start a new podcast, I never go back to the beginning. I always oh, work backwards. Oh, I don't either. I don't either. Uh, Mabim Bam, I've probably listened to like, I don't know, 20 episodes or so, because I started Mabim Bam way late. Yeah. But none of them were like in the 400s. <laughs> I've worked <laughs> my way. All 500 and up. I worked my way backwards into the 200s with my bim bam at this point. So still got, still got plenty to listen yeah, to. And yeah. same with like my favorite murder. Cause there's a million episodes. Yeah. Yeah. The only yeah. thing I've actually gone back and listened to the whole thing is critical role. And that's hours, you have and, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah. yeah. And that has like a plot that you yeah, have to follow. You gotta, so yeah, you yes. got to jump in there at the right moment. Yes. So yeah. Anyway. So, youth groups. It's kind of like saying that one time at band camp. <laughs> that one time at youth group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. youth group, for those of you who don't know, uh, is this kind of programming that a lot of Christian churches do where they throw all of the teenagers in one room together and give, give them one overly excitable 20 something to lead them <laughs> and not just lead them. In activities, but also lead them to Jesus. Spiritually. A <laughs> yes. spiritual mentor. This is a spiritual mentor. Uh, it's it's an experience. And the whole point of youth group really... The whole point is to get these kids together, build relationships, and acquaint them with the faith. Which is right. like not an inherently bad thing. No. Uh, you want kids to understand the faith they're being grown or being grown up in that they're being raised in. Um, you want them to understand like what they're saying they believe in and, and all this stuff. And kids have different needs than adults. You right. can't just put them in like right. a Bible study with adults and expect that to go well at all. Right. <laughs> Cause it's very boring when you're a teenager, you don't want to do that. You don't want to hang with adults. And I think too, there's something to be said about preserving childhood and preserving like a childlike view of faith. Fair. Like, I think you should be introduced to some more adult aspects of faith as you go. But like, sometimes it's nice to just talk about Jonah and the whale (laughs) and not get into the stuff. So, so youth group is really like where that middle ground exists, where you're moving from Jonah to, you know, the more edgy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I just want to talk a little bit about youth group. I grew up in a really small church. So my youth Same. group 
was really small. Mm-hmm. There was a period of about two or three years where we had maybe 10 or 12 regular youth group members. And that was like the big youth group. It was huge. Um, and I joined youth group a little bit early. Uh, I was in the sixth grade. You had to be in the seventh grade uh, to join. Um, but my mom like threw a fit about it and wanted me to join the youth group because I was all alone. Yeah. Um, Cause I was the youngest out of everybody. And so like yeah. I didn't have anybody. Um, but yeah, so we all like hung out together on Sundays and Wednesdays and sometimes outside of that. And we mostly just kind of screwed around. <laughs> I think a lot of youth group was just <laughs> bored teenagers at church just messing around. Our doing... favorite thing to do was to like be undignified in spaces that we were supposed to be dignified. Of so like course. running around the sanctuary. Listen, David Crowder, back to him, yeah. wrote a whole song I'll called become Undignified. Even more undignified than this. Exactly. And some will say it's foolishness. They some might. That whole song is flooding back to me right now. But yeah. Um and then you were at youth group a lot with me. Yeah. Um for a while. Because that's what you do when you're in a youth group. You drag your friends. You evangelize. <laughs> you bring your f- school friends. Absolutely. They highly the encourage it. Yes. <laughs> well, oh, this is not a youth group, but can I tell a quick story? I'm since sure. it's younger than that, just on this topic. One of my worst memories of my whole life, and that's saying a lot, was... I don't know if it's worth... It's just, like, embarrassing, but not even, like, I did something embarrassing. Long story, endless. I was in first grade, maybe, and we were encouraged to ask our friends to come to church with us. And so one of my friends, Rachel, shout out if you're listening. I know you're not. Um, But... This girl, Rachel, that I was friends with was Jewish, but we were friends and she stayed over at my house and we went to church on Sunday. So she came with me and that happened to be like, of course, the one Sunday when we were in Sunday school and our teacher decided to go off on a whole thing about how if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not going to get to heaven. And I could just feel her like just glaring at me. And then the next day monday at lunch in the cafeteria um i went to sit down and she was telling the group of kids all about how she went to church with me and they told her she was going to hell and i was so embarrassed mortified i'm sure and i that's probably an experience that like some christians would be like that was just a test of your faith and she just heard the honest truth and you know that's just how the world reacts when you tell the whatever like anyway that's, that might have been a pointless story, but... That's traumatic, though. It was awful. Yeah. I was seven. I didn't need that at seven. <laughs> I, I sure did not. But, I mean, I mean, that's kind of the vibe of youth group, though. Yeah. It's like you were, you were training the teenagers to evangelize. Because right. a lot of... I don't know. A lot of evangelical culture rests around fear of damnation. Mm-hmm. And so you better... Get your friends. If you really care about them, you want them to know about Jesus. And the the core of that is, like, we love Jesus so much. Why wouldn't we tell people about him? Which is not right. bad. Right. But, like, there's, like, so much fear involved in it that it gets crazy. A lot of manipulation. Yeah. A lot of guilting. Now, I don't remember. I remember going to youth group with you a couple times. But I don't really remember, like, your youth leaders. My youth leaders were memorable. Right. Well, Hard to forget. I don't think I ever... 
Let me think about this. You probably remember Andrew. That was the only... Okay, so growing up, I also went to a small church. And there were a lot of kids in Sunday school. But then once it got to youth, we didn't have as many. Mm -hmm. So I was never a regular youth group attendee. We didn't do a whole lot. I don't even know if I could tell you who our youth group leader was. Um, And then... We moved churches specifically, well, maybe not completely, but one of the reasons we moved to a bigger church was because my parents wanted me in youth group. And I, we went to a, a, a pretty big Baptist church here in town, I'm not going to name names, hated that whole youth group experience. It didn't start out bad, but it was very clicky. It was mm. a ton of kids and we were just kind of grouped by age or whatever I had like one good friend um, and I took another friend of ours along with me a good, uh, 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 several times. Um, And then my last church I had youth group at was Andrew was our leader. And that was good. That was um, Faina and Alina and all of them. I don't know if we want to include that. I do. I do remember that youth group slightly yeah they were great i mean i still have some moments that i think back on and i'm sure we'll talk more about it later that i are a little cringy and a little oh a lot of youth group is cringy yeah a lot of it's cringy yeah but overall it was positive i had great wonderful friends our leader was great so um i don't have any any real crazy youth group experiences I, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I think a lot of mine are tangential that, like, I was there, but it wasn't my story. I have a couple that were mine. Mm-hmm. But, like, my brother was in youth group with me. Uh, my brother, who's three and a half years older than me. And his friends and, and our cousins were in youth group together. So, like, the boys. Yeah. And then when, we had a couple girls that came to church, but they weren't there all the time. And then my cousins who were girls would sometimes come, one who was older than me and one who was my age. And so, like, usually it was just, like, me and the boys. <laughs> and so it's the boys club. Yeah. And so a lot of weird things happened. Like, one time they stuffed – they didn't stuff – he voluntarily did this. It was not like they stuffed him in there. Uh, they <laughs> they stuck one of the kids in um, – it was called – <laughs> The weird thing is, is that the lid of this, it's a trash can on wheels. Uh, one of those like yard size trash cans on wheels. Yeah. It said batter box on the lid that somebody had written on it. And so I don't, I always called it a batter box. B-A-T-T-E-R? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I have no idea why. But so it was a giant yard trash can with a lid with wheels. And they, um, one of the, one of the more rowdy uh, kids in youth group got in it. And so we had this long hallway in the basement of the church. I remember that hallway. <laughs> with doors on either side. And then at the bo- at the end of the hallway next to the kitchen, um, there was a small ramp that went down into a fellowship hall where we had like meals and stuff. And there was a linoleum floor and all that. So they um, they started at the, the top end of the hallway where the stairs were. And they had him in this trash can on wheels and they pushed him as hard as they could (laughs) down this hallway just let him fly down the hallway he went halfway down the ramp and then the thing just toppled (laughs) into the floor and we did that several times (laughs) i remember that hallway because we did that just with um rolly chairs yeah rolly chair derbies oh we did have rolly chair and i 
remind me, I might just be misremembering this, but wouldn't people like fling the doors out in yes. front of you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bruises. Bruises. <laughs> that was the hallway too, where, um, weird things happen in youth group like they just kind of leave the teenagers to their will and the youth group leader usually has some sense of control but also essentially a giant child as absolutely well. um which All is good ones which is least. like yeah the good ones yeah which is natural um because you want to get the kids engaged you want them to be like having fun and also like building relationships but like we would play this game that i don't know if you remember or not called christians mm. and the romans vaguely is this where you hide yes yes so i don't think i ever played they it they turn off all the lights <laughs> which is like a recipe for disaster uh, yes. in youth group yes they would turn off all the lights with these hormonal teenagers <laughs> and we would play this game where half of you were christians and half of you were romans and or no it wasn't half it was like the majority of you were christians and then there was like five romans Two of the Romans were guarding a prison, which was the nursery. <laughs> because, Naturally. Because at our church, it had a farm style door. So you could o close the bottom half and open the top oh, half yeah, and see yeah, what's yeah. going on. Uh, so they would guard the prison and you didn't know who the Romans were. And so you would run around in the dark <laughs> trying to avoid the Romans. Mm -hmm. And if they caught you, they would take you to prison. So, but if, but if they moved away from the prison... You could rescue one of your friends from oh the prison god. if you had like a buddy. Oh my god! Um, so I I remember running around in this hallway in pitch darkness. It was a basement with, I mean, like all the windows were in the classrooms, right? So the doors were shut. So there's no, no light. light coming in here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I don't know who I ran into, but I ran smack <laughs> into somebody, and I thought I'd broken my nose. I mean, it was oh it my was god. really. Rough. But we would do that. Um, and then, of course, you know, some other things that they would do to get us engaged. The famed Bible Jeopardy night. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was at a lock-in. That was at a lock-in. Lock-ins are a whole Lock-ins are like if you did Christians and, Roman, Christians and the Romans for 12 hours straight. Yeah. Yep. They would, your parents would bring you to the youth group mm -hmm. or to the church. They would drop you off at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And they would not pick you up. <laughs> Until about eight. noon the next day. Yeah, I was going to say eight, but... And you did not sleep. You didn't. There was no sleeping was no at lock-ins. Lock-ins are this concept where youth leaders are... They, they basically are like, we're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to lock ourselves into the church. And we're going to kind of like stir up revival by being in the presence of the church and God mm -hmm. and each other. And we're just going to be alone as the youth group. And we're going to be in this space. What really happens is the evening starts off with your youth leader looking you in the face and going, no deep red, no royal blue, no, no purple. purple. <laughs> so it's all about we're going to have fun. Don't have sex. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, which I remember hearing that multiple times. You play sardines. Yep. You play yep. hide and seek. You play uh, wheelie chair derby. Yep. Um, and then you end up inevitably playing bible jeopardy mm -hmm. um in the middle of the night and your youth leader decides to throw in a bonus category and this mm -hmm. bonus category your team has to have a threshold of points in order to choose from the bonus category but if they choose from the bonus category 
all of the teams go head to head. I forgot about that little. Oh, I remember the exact rules to this game. I will never forget it. And the bonus category was called just plain gross to (laughs) add that. I do remember that. Because they want to add that youth group flair to a otherwise completely boring game of Bible Jeopardy in which you have to remember Bible verses offhand and names of of Jacob's wives and Jericho. Yeah. But the just plain gross category, um, you had to predetermine who was going to do each level. So like mm-hmm. your $400 question or whatever the, you know. And they just got grosser. They just got grosser as they went, points. but we didn't know that going in because you had to pre-assign people. So like you didn't know what you were about to do when oh, you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, it's your turn to do it. Yeah. So like I got, you got the first one. Yeah, I had to burp on command, and you which is my, epically. I can't, I can't make myself burp. I don't know why. It is a skill I don't possess. I can roll my tongue. I can do all kinds of other things. I can whistle. I cannot burp. Yeah. And that was the one thing I had to do. And I've never seen people so disappointed in me when was, points were on really the line. Dis- I remember it, yelling, are you kidding me? I think the, I think the worst thing was that it was the easiest one. It wasn't gross. I just chugged soda and then couldn't burp. Straight from a two liter. Too. Yeah. There was like two liters lined up. Which I would do for no points. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would love to, I would chug a two liter right now. <laughs> but what made it worse was the fact that then you guys were up next yeah, and I, yours was nasty. Mine was not, I, it was gross, but like, it was, was it wasn't condiments com- no no what was that, yours my i had to smell andrew's feet oh yeah that's not bad yeah i had to smell my cousin's feet which was gross but like i can get over that like that doesn't that doesn't gross me out like smelling somebody's feet doesn't gross yeah. me out as bad um the next one was the condiments and my friend kim had to eat (laughs) as much as she could out of a bowl and it looked like when you're looking at it it looked like two scoops of ice cream with ketchup and mustard drizzled over the top as if they were a Mm -hmm. hot fudge Mm -hmm. it was mayonnaise Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was mayonnaise um she legitimately vomited afterwards she went she ran to the bathroom and vomited i would have to if i'm being completely i think we won that one though we did we did because she she got us those points. She yeah. was not playing around. Yeah. Um, and then after came Emily. Yeah. Rest in peace. Oh, poor. Not literally. She's, <laughs> she's, she's <Sorry>. fine. <laughs> I, she's fine. Um, Emily, if you're listening, we love you. We love you. Um, and we're so sorry that you had to go through this Emily emotional trauma. Emily had to eat two sticks of unsalted butter. And just she, straight up. And she did it. She did it. By she, God. She we took, called her butter for about three years. She just took a big old bite yeah. out of that stick of butter. And then um, I think after that was the final. Mm -hmm. And the final, um, we had this wonderful uh, woman on our team named Ashley. And she took took one for the team. She took the bullet. My youth leader came out with a pitcher and two glasses because it was down to two groups, I think. Maybe there were only two groups to begin with. I don't know. Anyway, I think it was boys versus girls now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah, probably. I think it was. Probably. Um, she, he came out with a pitcher, and he said, uh, I'm going to pour two glasses of this. The first one to chug it and get it down get wins the points. And we said, what's in it? And he said, things I found in the basement refrigerator. 
Now let me let me let me tell you something about my church's <laughs> kitchen. It was not used. <laughs> like it was not a regularly used kitchen. No. It was used for potlucks. Mm. And it, when it was used for potlucks, it was just to store food until it was time to get it out and heat it up. They whatever was in there, there's no It was telling. abandoned. We do know that there was hot dogs in uh-huh. in the mixture. I'm sure more butter. There was and condiments. There was more condiments. I don't know what else. But when I, I tell you, know. Ashley became my hero in that moment. She just, <laughs> I mean, she basically shotgunned this thing. And um, and it didn't phase her at all. No. She was there for it. And it happened. And it was over. And we won. And it was great. Yeah. yeah. But, like, that's the kind of thing that happens at locks, lock-ins. Yes. There's no, like, revival happening. No, I mean, I mean, the only God you're seeing is the inside of the toilet seat (laughs) after you puke up two sticks of unsalted butter. You are kneeling before the throne. You are (laughs) the porcelain throne of God. It was just gross tough. I do remember at Lockins doing a testimony. Yeah. Lying in the dark after none of us had slept. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because when you're tired, you're loopy. You're you're emotional. You're ready to give that testimony. Yeah. Yeah. Did any of us have a good testimony? No. No. Absolutely I'm not. I'm sure I said something about my dad who was sick at the time, maybe. I don't remember. I'm sure I had some emotional thing that I pulled out of my butt, but yeah. But there it was. Yeah. Lock-ins. Yeah. But uh, we, there's more to talk about. There yes. is more. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with some more youth group shenanigans shenanigans and specifically we're gonna talk about camp i'm very excited to talk about camp yeah so stick with us we'll be right back we'll be back and we're back we're back sorry we had to take a little snack break we had to, you know, refresh, renew. Yep. Order McDonald's <laughs> to be delivered to us because we are adults and we have adult money. Yes. Uh, no, yeah. So we talked about youth group a little bit. And now I want to talk about one of the most formative youth group experiences there is. Church camp. Church camp. <laughs> now, I have a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I have been to church camp once and it was with you. So those are the only experiences I have. I've been to church camp several times. Uh, My church frequented a church camp here in Kentucky, uh, located just in the rolling hills of the middle of absolutely nowhere. Wasn't it in Baghdad, Kentucky? It was in Baghdad, yeah. (laughs) So if you're interested in looking up a camp in Baghdad, Kentucky, it still exists. (laughs) Um, It's changed ownership since I went there. Uh, but church camp is this experience where you spend about a week uh, just just absolutely bathed in uh, formative Jesus experience. I was going to say the Holy Spirit, the Holy but also Spirit. that. Yeah. And uh, you are usually sleeping in a cabin with mm-hmm. your other youth group members. You play water sports and you campfires have campfires you have s'more night you eat in a lodge <laughs> yep. you have lunch in the lodge um 
tables yell at each other and chant things. Um, you learn the the cup game. Oh, we did learn mm-hmm. the cup game at church camp. And that was before. That was before Pitch Perfect. Yes, it was. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying we're hipsters. I'm not <laughs> saying we knew it before it was cool, but and facts are facts, America. I'm going to take a second to give props to church camp. Because church camp was fun. It was fun. It was, it was a, a good time. There was a zip line. There was horses. It was a lot of fun. Did uh, they have the big, like, inflatable thing out on the lake that yes. you jump into? Yes. yes. I do remember that. So then you came after it switched hands. Okay. Because that okay. only, the lake didn't exist oh. in my, my first year there. Oh, okay. They built yeah. that lake. Um, and it also is, like, one of those great experiences where kids, I mean, like, it's a, it's a camp experience. Like, kids get into craziness. They play pranks. They, you know, I have memories from church camp that'll last forever. Absolutely. Especially walking to the top of the hill with the light pole to get cell reception to call my mom. Oh yeah. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Cause that was like the first year I had a cell phone. Um, but church camp is, you know, it's a great experience for kids, I think. And I think there's something really good about wanting to like educate kids about Jesus and get them out and have fun and like, Put them in groups with other church camp kids sure. from other youth groups across the state. Meet people. Talk about Jesus. That's all well and good and fun. Yes. But. <laughs> there's always a but. There's, al- there's also stuff about church camp that is just like so weird. And I, I think a little bit manipulative. Yeah, I think some. And it's not. Okay. I think all camp is weird. To a point. Oh, yeah. The the counselors are on a whole other level. You have to be a special kind of person. You have to be. We don't have to keep this in the show, but I do want to say Brennan Lee Mulligan was a camp counselor for many years. That tracks. That just makes so much sense. But going to camp is always going to be interesting because it's a bunch of young adults and teenagers in the woods doing things. So when we say Being like supervised by people who are only slightly older than that and barely trained, <laughs> is there training? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure they have first aid maybe, but in case like a kid's drowning, but do they know what they're doing? I don't know. Yeah. But so a church camp usually goes like this. So you wake up in the morning super early. You get showered in this trickle of a cabin shower. Cold not, water. Not these days. <laughs> these days the cabins are real nice. Of course. <laughs> but. Lucky. You get you get showered. You get your Bible. Um, you put your hair up in a ponytail because it is humid in the state mm. of Kentucky in mm. the middle of July. It is like walking through soup. It is. <laughs> it's gross. The soup is your body. <laughs> <laughs> um. You put on your little shorts and your camp t-shirt. Uh, we usually didn't get camp t-shirts until like the end of the week. Um, yeah. It was then, like a special. And then you wore the. Well, no, it was probably about midweek because I remember wearing the shirt three or four times mm, and there's yeah. nowhere to wash the shirts. No. And um, again, sweaty. Yes. So a bunch of sweaty teenagers. Anyway, um, you you walk down to breakfast you have a cafeteria-style breakfast, which, you know, so some people don't appreciate, but I appreciate a, a solid cafeteria-style breakfast. You know, breakfast. I will always eat French toast sticks. Yeah. Any day. Some of the girls in our in our youth group used to skip the breakfast and be like, ew, breakfast. I'm just going to sit here and eat my Pop-Tarts. Yeah. <laughs> and be yeah. like, dude, there's pancakes over there. <laughs> Did you not see? Yeah, the eggs are maybe powder, powder. but who cares? <laughs> they put butter and salt on those. Yeah. 
Um, and then after breakfast, you meet the rest of your group and you go into morning worship. Mm-hmm. And morning worship is like a let's wake up and sing for Jesus, which is fine. Um, and usually it talks about like, here's what we're going to do today. And there's usually like some kind of sketch comedy that happens Mm -hmm. announcements announcements the announcements were hilarious yeah every i will give it to the people at i'm just gonna i'm just gonna name it because there's not many church camps that are in baghdad kentucky um props to the people at cedarmore christian camp which is now crossings camp at cedarmore okay Okay. Uh, but cedarmore christian camp they had the sun teamers the sun teamers they were that was the camp counselors it was the Sun Teamers, the sun and teamers. I remember the name of my camp counselor because I was in love with him. Anyway. <laughs> was it the short guy? No. Okay. No, that was a different guy. That was... I know who you're talking about. That was about. my year, and yeah. he was very cute. No. Which is another universal camp experience, falling in love with your with camp, your camp counselor. <laughs> yes. I mean, come on. Because they know Jesus. They know Jesus, and they're fun, but also, like, clean cut, and your parents would approve of them. Oh, my gosh. But... I got to hand it to them. These Sun Teamers were really creative people. They they prepared some sketch comedy and some skits that were just top-notch and, and very funny. Yeah, I still can think of several funny bits from their opening stuff. Yeah. The um, very deadpan life is like life. sitting <laughs> yeah. uh, Indian style in a field of dewdrop dandelions, dandelions while masses of white fluffy kittens with pink ribbons swim in a bowl of goodness, goodness beneath your dangling toes mm. <laughs> and it, it totally oh deadpan made no sense no it walked off stage that was it that was the whole thing but so you you do morning worship you sing some worship songs you get your announcements then i think you would go to like bible study or something and you would your groups consisted of people from multiple churches so you didn't just hang with your group you were placed with other kids in your age group um so like the older members of our youth group were not in my bible study right uh you would hang out with those people all week and you would then go to some activity or you would wrote we would rotate activities Mm -hmm. Then you would go to lunch. You would have some kind of midday programming. Um, the afternoon you would spend, you would have some free time to read reflect. your, to reflect and read your Bible in which we would just goof sleep. around and would sleep. Yeah. Yeah. We go back to the cabin and sleep or we would um, like just sit around. I did. I spent a considerable amount of time actually reflecting on the morning, like uh, Bible reading and like, I remember I, journaling. I was committed. <laughs> I was committed yeah. to church camp. Yeah. Um, and then you would have a dinner and then evening worship. Mm-hmm. And evening worship was always a very different tone from morning worship. Mm-hmm. There was usually like some kind of skits and things like that. But there was usually a preacher who would do like a series over the whole week. And it was it was like a revival series and it all culminated in the final night of camp, uh, which in actual Christian circles is called the cry night. And it is the night where you are exhausted from a week at camp. You want to go home and see your mom. You are tired of eating camp food. Or if you're my brother, you've gotten food poisoning. You've already been sent home. You are going to miss the friends that you've made. And now you're you're, realizing you have to leave them. You are emotionally devastated. You 
feel like you have maybe connected with some part of your faith and that's Mm -hmm. amazing and new and fresh and wonderful and it's all built up in this moment to this this night the night before you leave camp and you're so wrecked yeah and everyone cries but that night is like specifically designed to make you cry yes it's the saddest music yep it's the most intense skits the low lighting, the low lighting the candles. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, like I still remember the skit that made me lose my mind, crying, and actually come up to a counselor at the end of the night and go, "I need to pray with somebody." Oh my gosh, what was it? It was. Um, <laughs> was it the Lifehouse skit? You no, can be honest it was if it was the Lifehouse life skit. <laughs> When she broke free of all of her sins, you can be honest. The Lifehouse kit still gets me, man. It still gives me the chills. (laughs) Um, No, it was was this kit with my camp counselor, Mm -hmm. of course. The one you were in love with? Jeremy Schulte. Oh, oh. Jeremy Schulte. Oh. Yeah. I do remember him. Um, He uh, was doing a skit where he was in a drive-thru window. And he was in a car and he was, he was saying, I don't know what he was saying. It's like, I would like to order some salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I don't remember that. I remember the skit. Like I can picture it in my mind. Like I can see the stage set up. Mm-hmm. I don't remember everything that was said in it, but like it rocked me to my core. And uh, I had like a existential crisis that night. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So church camp's really weird. Um, there's other stuff that goes on at church camp that we'll talk about, but like, it's just this really manipulative kind of, and I don't like calling it manipulative because yeah. it's, it's not meant to, I think it's done with good intentions. Like they right. really want to connect kids with God because there's this fear, uh, this evangelical fear of like losing the church in the next generation. Right. And I think you and I both agree that we don't like to paint things with a broad yeah. stroke of it, this is all bad or it's all good. And the whole thing's manipulative and they're like, I don't think that's the case. I think, and, and this is of course our one church camp experience. I think there are definitely camps that are a lot worse. Oh, for sure. And camps that aren't. I can name one in North Dakota. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we will get to that. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes it's, well, let me ask you this. Do you think that these cry nights and experiences like that are people manipulating others into quote unquote feeling the Holy Spirit? Do you think that's a bad thing to make kids have an emotional breakdown, breakthrough, even if it's done with good intentions? I don't. The, yes and no. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think I can answer all the way one way or the other i think like i said earlier i think there's something to be preserved preserved about a childlike faith i don't know that every kid at that camp was ready for some of those revelations yeah developmentally yeah um i mean like it put a mindset in me that like i needed to focus my life on god that was the that was the core purpose of my life mm-hmm. it needed to be i needed to be focused on god 24 mm-hmm. 7 or else i wasn't doing it right and i i can remember having a moment that i'm so embarrassed about but like it also looking back i i want to just hug little old me mm-hmm. where um for those of you who don't know i had a very 
startling obsession with Josh Groban as a child. And I say startling. Startling is not the word I would expect <laughs> it, you to say. It was intense. Um, and I remember... It was a middle school crush. I mean, uh, listen. I, I I almost had a shrine to the man in my room. I had pictures of Clay Aiken on my wall. So, like, <laughs> don't says, feel embarrassed. I, I feel like that, that, that really informs a lot about you. <laughs> it tracks with every... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Our producer, Ellie, decided to bark at the doorbell. Uh, But we were talking about how you love Clay Aiken. Oh, well, (laughs) I mean, I just in middle school was, you know, I have a type. Young and unaware. And unfortunately. (laughs) It's Clay Aiken. It's, yeah. Yeah. Not specifically, I I would like to say. Not 2021 Clay Aiken. That just... I'm just going to shut up. What was your embarrassing thing about Josh Groban? <laughs> Let's talk about your embarrassing thing. Um, I, I was just saying that I remember this night where my mom, uh, my cousin was over at my house, who's much older than me. My cousin who's much older than me. She was over at my house and my mom, I don't know, when we were kids, there was this whole thing about like when company was over, you like show them your room. Yeah. I don't know what that was about, but. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that just brought back memories yeah mom was bringing my cousin up to show her my room because we had just done something new with it and unbeknownst to my mom i was having a breakdown at that exact moment Uh and i was ripping pictures of josh groban off the wall and putting them in a pile and mom came in and i was in tears and mom came in and she goes are you what's are you okay? And I was like, Josh Groban is just taking my focus off of God. (laughs) And I have to now as a mother thinking about my son growing up, I have to appreciate my mom in that moment so much that she just straight up ignored my cousin, got down at my level and was just like, listen to me. You are allowed to love Josh Groban. Oh my goodness. You do not have to tear down these million pictures off your wall and you can still love god at the same time like my mom was just perfect in that moment um but uh that must have been so weird for her but it it like it comes back to this whole thing where it's instilled in you at this christian camp experience that like you're off in the middle of nowhere you're able to isolate from the world and you're so hyper-focused on God that, like, this is how it's supposed to be all the time. And we're not preparing kids in that moment to go back to normal life when you have to learn that faith is an everyday thing. Sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's sometimes it's nothing. Ordinary. Sometimes it's ordinary. Sometimes it's small. I think it sets kind of an unrealistic expectation too for I mean teenagers they're teenagers like and I mean even adult you know people are people like this this idea that you can't have just like carefree friendships without feeling like you constantly have to evangelize feeling like you can't watch normal popular tv shows because they're not god honoring you know just all that kind of and again that's not every 
not every preacher or youth group counselor or church camp, that's what I'm trying to say, church camp counselor or youth group leader is saying that. But it's that I think youth groups and church camps put a lot of emphasis on this, like, you have to be different from all of your peers. You can't, you know, don't swear like they do, don't have sex like they do, don't drink like they do. Which, not that those are, like, bad things to tell a kid not to do, but I just think it can be isolating for kids who still have to go to school. I mean, if you go to, like, a public school or any, if you're not homeschooled and you're around other kids... I don't know. I, I just think it's unrealistic and I think it makes kids feel unnecessarily guilty. Right. And yeah. it, it doesn't prepare them to think critically. Yeah. It doesn't prepare them to, you know, by saying don't do all of these other things, don't engage with the world, you know, which which leans back on the, you know, be in the world but not of it. You still have to be able to reckon your faith with all of those things because you're gonna come across them in your life right and and youth groups when they operate in this way they're not preparing young malleable children mm. to think critically about their faith right it, and to yeah. be able to wrestle with that stuff and still come out on the other side with a faith that maybe has changed and different but that is still there Yes. And so that's that's really what gets me about Cry Night. <laughs> and really what sparked this episode topic was you had sent me an article called Killing the Cry Night. Yes, um, yes, it, it's yes. A, it's an article by, or a short, short article by Jen Bradbury, who's a Lutheran uh, youth minister. And in it, she talks about how it's not it's not something where youth leaders are like we're gonna make the kids cry but she says tears become synonymous with success in youth ministry Mm, yes if we can see that these kids are engaging and they're they're rocked by all of these truths then we've done something right but really um you know, what you've done is you've capitalized on the fact that kids are exhausted. It's the end of camp. They're worried they're never going to see their friends again. They are, you know, they're just at this really emotionally delicate space. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't consider what happens when they go home. And suddenly that, that you know, craziness is not there. Right. And they go well, what's wrong? The emotional high wears off. Right. Why can't I engage with the Holy Spirit like I used to? Mm-hmm. And was that really the Holy Spirit? Um, which I know you have a lot of feelings about. Um, just in terms yeah. of like, is it is it the Holy Spirit or is it manipulation? Is it... A key change. Is it a key change? <laughs> That's my favorite thing is I saw someone, I and I wish I could credit them, but posted something, I think on Twitter, that was like, Looking back at all of my, you know, church worship sessions, I realized how many times I thought I was feeling the Holy Spirit and it was just a key change, which like, I think it's funny. I think there's obviously deeper nuance to that. I don't I don't think that you can't feel both at the same time. Like, you know, but yeah, that just made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I 
I definitely think there were parts of the camp experience where I was feeling the Holy Spirit. I think I, I yeah, think God did yeah. talk to me through those through those days. I think also a lot of it was me really, really wanting that. Yes. And confirmation bias is like a thing. That's confirmation bias, right? That is confirmation yeah. bias. That, you know, it's it, it, if you're looking for it, you're going to find it. Right. And I really, really wanted that a lot. I wonder, too, how that affects kids. Because, like, I'm not a crier. I don't I don't like to do that. And I don't want to say I never. Because these cry nights didn't just happen at church camp. Like, I can remember going to Christian concerts and, like, events and stuff. And they had the same kind of thing. And I don't want to say I've never been emotional at that. When it feels right, I am. But, A... Something about, like, the camp cry nights that were kind of contrived, it it never felt good. It never felt like a good cry for me. It always felt like a guilty, sick cry. Um, and then if I didn't cry, I felt like I was doing something wrong. And that, like, what was wrong with me that I wasn't right. feeling the Holy Spirit? Like, is God not talking to me? Am I missing something? Right. Am I not worthy of feeling whatever everyone else is feeling and so I think that's the danger of it too is that not and there's no other situation in life where crying is seen as like a win I mean I don't want to say that if I maybe therapy therapy and like I just bought uh my stepdad's father's day gift and I know he's gonna cry and I'm so excited for it so like yeah I mean I guess that but you know other than that getting a whole group of kids together and making them emotionally break down and seeing that as a win, something just feels kind of off. It does. And I think, I think the, the way that leaders in those situations kind of wrap their minds around that being a win goes back to that idea of fear Mm -hmm. that these are children that we have to raise in the faith. We want them to have that faith experience and experience God or else we're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. And because that means a couple of things. It means to the evangelical, it means we're losing them to hell. It also means we're losing them in the church. And for a lot of churches like mine growing up, that can mean church death. Same. My, the church I grew up in is going through that right now. Yeah. It's, there's, there's nobody to raise their kids in the church anymore. The kids are gone. They, they go off to college and they find out that, there's a different way of doing faith. And, <laughs> and even if they go to Christian schools, sometimes they sometimes become liberals. <laughs> but there's that fear. And I and there is no better illustration of this than in the 2006 documentary, Jesus Camp, which I, I'm stoked to talk about. It's a it's a documentary by Rachel Grady and um, Heidi Ewing. And it follows the experience of a couple children at and these are children. These aren't even youth aged people. These are they are, they are babies. Childs. Um they're like ten to thirteen, maybe. Barely thirteen, I think. That I think. Levi kid was Oh really? I wanna say he was one of the he looks like older oldest. But they kind of follow their experience at a Pentecostal Bible camp. And this was a unique camp in that the families were invited to come as well if they wanted. 
So the kids could, were staying with their families at the camp. That's probably due to the fact that they were much younger children. Yeah. But these kids would just like flock to the altar and weep. I mean, you have five-year-olds crying and, and saying, please save my soul. I'm a sinner. And like, obviously they're, you know, obviously we have, you know, this belief that like, we're all, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God or whatever. Mm. But like, this is a child who does not need to be rocked by these emotions right now. They do not need to be burdened with that much guilt and fear of feeling like God is going to damn them to hell because they lied about taking a cookie when their mom said not to or they read harry potter like oh they hate harry potter too i also do want to say the fact that this uh documentary focuses on a pentecostal church and a pentecostal camp i think is also important because uh, this did not happen at bible camp a lot of the things yeah (laughs) pentecostals have a whole other some of them, not I. You know, there's I know there's different. There's some extreme kinds. versions that are pretty scary. And this is definitely a speaking in tongues, writhing on the floor, shouting hallelujah, and like yelling in the middle of the service, Pentecostal. Yeah. So that was again another. I think that made it more dramatic in the movie because they are all used to that kind of they see that style of worship as the best. Yeah. And there was even, cause I went and watched a little bit of it in I preparation it today, for this. Yeah. Um, there's a part where um, I think the girl, the young girl, Rachel. Yes. Is talking about dead churches. Yep. Did you get to that? Part? Yeah. She's outside in the little camp area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's saying like, there are different kinds of churches and not, not every kind of church like is right or has God because some of the churches are dead because the be- <laughs> she really attacked the Baptists. I she have to really say I was did. personally attacked because she's like, you know, they just sit in the pews and they're just quiet and they don't even say hallelujah or amen. And I was like, girl, you can just at me next time. You want to come at me like this, Rachel. Um, but yeah, so I think that also informs the the craziness in it this does. film. And I think it's, you go back to, it's a, it's a wonderful film and definitely, definitely watch it. If you get a chance, it'll scare the life out of you. It'll make you, I've never been angrier than when we watched this movie the first time. And you know, you're thinking about this little girl talking like that. Every instance of the children talking or preaching in some of their cases, Mm -hmm. you can hear the adult voice. You can hear the person who taught them to speak that way. Yeah. And we all mimic in early versions of our faith. Like, we all do that. But this is such an extreme, to me, stripping of childhood. Yes. That you are, you're forwarding an agenda through what you're doing. Now, this is like a really extreme version. Yeah, this is a very what can happen, extreme example. But little pieces of it, I think, are, are relevant in any youth group or children's group culture at any evangelical church is that like you have to be really careful because you're feeding them you're feeding a child the words that they're going to grow up on and the words that they're going to repeat when Mm. they when they do go out and they evangelize to their friends when they invite their jewish friends to school or to oh my gosh when they invite their jewish friends to children's church church, yeah uh 
Yeah. It was also really comforting watching that uh, that movie today because I was reminded that <laughs> the evangelical tie to nationalism didn't start with Trump. No. It was comforting to know that this is not a new thing. It's just there's more platforms it's, for people to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, there was one part where the lady was talking about how George Bush is the best. And this is, well, I guess you said it's 2008. So this was W. Um, 2006. Yeah. 2006. Excuse me. Um, and how he was the best president because he's so open in his faith and he's really uh, bringing Christianity back to America. kind of. And I was like. Oh, but also, like, I was alive for George W. Bush. I don't remember I don't remember any of that. Being that, like, outwardly. Yeah. And I, I was a Republican at this time. <laughs> I wasn't 18. I couldn't vote. It didn't matter. But, like, my whole family was Republican, and we didn't sit around and talk about how godly George Bush was and he, how much he talked about God. I don't know. Yeah. But they do pray, they do lay hands on a cardboard cutout of George Bush I was in this movie. That. It's so great. That's my favorite part. It's my favorite. It's it's my favorite because it makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the parts that makes me the most uncomfortable. I think that was the part the first time we watched it that I just fully was like, I I can't. can't. I gotta yeah. go. Yeah. I gotta go. Yeah. But the thing is, is that like when <sighs> When you have, like, this cry night kind of mindset on youth groups, my whole thing about it is that, like, what you're doing, and we kind of touched on this, but, like, what you're doing is you're isolating the experience. And youth groups as a whole are isolated. They're isolated from the congregation. They're, they, they thrive, and I remember this from youth group, they thrive on being different from the old people in the church. Definitely. They love being different from the old people. Definitely. They, their music is different. They dance when you're not supposed to oh dance. Oh my goodness, how dare you. If you grew up in a Southern Baptist church, you may have also had a similar experience where dancing was bad. <laughs> um, so it was playing cards, but people did it anyway. They um, did it behind closed doors. They did. They literally did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, you isolate them even though your whole goal is to bring them up in the faith. What we should be doing is instead of, and this is something that Jen Bradbury put in that article about killing the cry night, is that we should instead be opening doors at the end of camp week or at the end of whatever it is that the youth group program is doing. You should be offering them ways to connect with the rest of the congregation, to connect with the grown-up faith yes. that's there. You should be trying to make connections with their parents, and open conversations and open lines between those mm -hmm. people because that's how you're going to, you know, solidify a faith mm -hmm. and also maybe save a church <laughs> from Good point. dying out. Good point. You want the youth to stay there, so you you want to teach them to have that critical thinking, have an evolving faith, and, and teach them to learn, or teach them to learn, teach them that faith is something that gets beaten and bruised and stripped apart and ripped mm. to pieces and the key is to be able to adapt and evolve with it yes absolutely and, and evolving faith if we can pull from the dear rachel held evans herself uh, yeah yeah i i completely agree i think it in in some ways if it's not done constructively 
like it can just set kids up for failure when they are hit in the face with the real world quote unquote you know um yeah yeah and you know i like i said youth groups youth group and church camp it's good stuff at its core it's great yeah. stuff. you gotta take what you can from it i don't think that i would say nobody i don't think that i would say that i've that that like hyper spiritual stuff can't happen at, at church camp right it's i believe camp. in spiritual experiences i believe in feeling the holy spirit yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's just a, th- a thin line of your, I, I think it's important for adults who are responsible for the spiritual formation of these kids and the emotional well-being of these kids while they are in their care. I think it's important for those adults to really think about the experiences and think about, um, I don't know, I guess just their real intentions behind it and not seeing the only um win as a huge emotional breakdown from a child you know I think that's where for me it gets kind of weird um but just having a genuine experience not contrived not we're gonna turn the lights down low and play this sad music and you know exhaust them and just like just just have a genuine experience because I think that's what's going to actually stick with people more instead of, like you said, just going and having this big emotional high and then being let down afterwards. And, and having, I think that there's a fair, there's a fair space in our Christian life to think about guilt Mm -hmm. and think about sin. Mm -hmm. But I think when you form someone's entire belief system, on guilt instead of on love there's the the, you're you're building with cracks already there, right and using fear instead of i mean the whole point is that we're already saved and god is merciful and graceful so you shouldn't have to scare a kid this is not beyond scared straight this is (laughs) but it is though it is i mean it it turns into that but it doesn't have to be that right it can yeah. just be like a normal <laughs> take it or leave it youth group you know it is what it is but it's uh there's no there's no place there, there's no place like it and that i i would say dear listener if you have funny youth group stories please send us an email connect us connect with us on twitter on instagram i want to hear the good stories i have a bunch mm-hmm. but they're not mine they're my brother's because i was a boring vanilla person um <laughs> vanilla person <laughs> i mean me too but i definitely want to hear your crazy youth group stories yeah i want to hear pranks i want to hear like our uh uh office chair derby store i want to hear it all did you ever have to eat something gross and a lock-in did you ever uh get caught doing some dark red royal blue purple shenanigans depending on the denomination that could have been like real bad (laughs) yeah i wonder what was worse to them the deep red and royal blue or Or the the purple purple. (laughs) i don't know but it was great talking with you about youth group this was a good chat i i'm sure we'll come we'll circle back yeah because i want to hear your brother's stories though you've teased nate's stories and pranks and now i want to hear them but this is a good talk i i think uh yes thanks for listening um we love you guys we love you so much and stay tuned and stay communed
That's it, baby. Let's go. episode of couch communion was produced by us we don't have a team to do this music by grace mesa if you like what you heard follow us on social media we're on twitter and instagram at couch communion or if you're old-fashioned shoot us an email at couchcommunion at gmail.com find us on apple podcasts spotify stitcher and all those places where you find your podcasts thanks for listening